0: bop boom bop 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 Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show that doesn't owe you a fresh new intro every single time, damn it. God, we. This is hard. We're butt men, okay? (laughs) Not all of them are gonna be gold.
1: Go to Doughboys if you want a fresh intro every fucking time. Jesus. Son of a bitch. Mom, get off my back. Get off our goddamn backs. (laughs) I'm one of your hosts. I'm
0: Marty Schneider. I'm the other I'm
1: host, Dan Ludwig. We're coming in with. I'm going
0: a, through it today. We're coming
1: in with a real hostile energy. <laughs> Just really mad at our audience for no
0: for no reason. Uh, I'm I'm mad at everything right now. Um, <laughs> it's a dark,
1: terrible time.
0: Honestly, the thing I'm not mad about is this Andy Griffith episode. It's fine. It's
1: it's the best thing about the day, which is fucked up.
0: Oh, I, I, I'm mad at everything because like I I I actually haven't tested my audio. I hope this sounds good. Uh, but I'm in my new apartment, which is you know new apartments are great, but moving is the worst mm-hmm. thing in the world, and it like requires a long list of skills like planning and organization and patience that I don't have. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. and this particular move has been going on for a month. We this time. Uh, my girlfriend and I thought, oh, let's go ahead and in that overlap month, you know, when you've paid your last month to the other place and your first month to the new place, just do a long move. Because no. every time I've ever moved in my life, it was always just like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, this weekend, throw everything in a truck, shit, shit, shit. Yeah. Um, and we thought that would make it lighter and easier, and instead it just made everything more annoying. So now now I'm at the end of it where it's like you just got to go and clean stuff up and pick up random things. And because it's been going on for, as far as I can tell, since the day I was born, <laughs> as far back as I can remember, we've always been at war with East Asia, and Marty has always been moving apartments.
1: <laughs> it's so bad. It's so much worse. Moving is like a weird inverse reality where the more responsible you are about it the worse it is like the way moving is the best is when you have not packed until the like until someone is on their way with the u-haul like that is the way it is most painless if you try to take control of the situation at all the gods of moving fucking smite you (laughs) thank you yeah this is what i have been saying yeah The smoothest move I have ever done is I was moving my little brother out of his apartment. I showed up to make sure that he had packed everything and he had packed nothing. So we needed like the car with the with the U-Haul was on the fucking way and we just threw shit into boxes and it was absolutely effortless.
0: But your brother's also like probably what like 22 at the time? He
1: had three possessions.
0: It's way easier when all of your possessions fit in one shoebox, and half of them are weed. Yes! You know? it's
1: where do, is, This box is for weed, and this box is for video game systems. This is the box of video <laughs> game systems that probably don't work anymore. Uh, and then I, clothes, I guess?
0: I, I do feel like I've hit a new, like, marker in life, because, like... You know, there aren't that many, like, pr- like markers or professional, like milestones that you can hit anymore. Cause like buying a house or paying off debt, those are fucking impossible. That's that those are pipe dreams, but I have hit a level of grown upness and professionalist professionalism where I could afford to hire movers. Yeah. I can afford to pay people to move stuff for me, uh, which was necessary at this point because my old apartment was on the fourth floor of a building that did not have an elevator. So, uh, so I was able to pay people to move stuff for me. And that is a whole new level. That's a whole ball, like new ball game. Um, and even then I, I still couldn't pay them to move everything, right? So I still wasn't fully there. I moved a lot of stuff myself, and then just paid people to come over and move the furniture, which is, you know, the most important part. And even that is just a, a, a ball, cha- a game changer.
1: Biggest game changer I've ever experienced was, I was moving out of a place and there was just like a bunch of like odds and ends. I was like, oh, there are like these four old tires in the back of the, in the backyard that we were using to make a shitty bench. Uh And my roommate was just like, we're going to pay someone to take those away. And I was like, you just get rid of four tires he was like no 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 you don't understand we're paying someone to do literally every aspect of this if it if you can pay a human being to do this we're paying someone to do it and it is words of wisdom that has served me better than anything else in my adult life
0: after a certain age and a certain income bracket yeah you cannot ask your friends to move you anymore. If you can afford to pay people, you should pay people.
1: Like, when you told me you were moving, I offered to help. If you had actually taken me up on that, I would have been like, so you can't afford to hire movers, huh?
0: Yeah, the, the going rate for, like, movers in our area, good movers, is like $150 an hour. You cannot pay me in pizza and beer for uh what it amounts to, like... Five hundred dollars of labor.
1: Like, we are also no longer in our early twenties. Like in my early twenties, somebody be like, hey, come help me move, and be like, yeah, I'm going to lift as many things as I can simultaneously to show you all how strong I am. Um, I'm gonna make like a big fucking deal on this. And then when I need to do one of these, you all will owe me. And now doing like if if like post twenty eight, if you help a human being move a couch. That's your week. You're done. (laughs) Like, physical movement is impossible. Not only that, just like
0: all quote-unquote unskilled labor, which is a fucking myth, you may think that you know how to lift something up until you see somebody who lifts things up for a living lift something up. Right? The way that these guys who I paid to move stuff were moving things was Ridiculous. Yeah. They were holding stacks of boxes as tall as me on their back and kind of crab walking backwards. And when they put something down, they would bend, literally bend over backwards and set things down. It looked like they were climbing. It looked like they were a ghost in like the ring that was <laughs> climbing onto the ceiling. And and skittering around
1: this? Professional like, movers make Cirque de Olay performers look like absolute fucking punks. <laughs> Uh,
0: Cirque du Soleil, my friend. Cirque du Cirque Soleil is a circus that comes to your house and makes sure your skin I is moisturized. I thought I was
1: nailing that pronunciation. I was like, Cirque du Soleil <laughs> sounds too easy, so it must be like there's missing consonants in there.
0: The French must have skipped a couple of letters. Yeah,
1: exactly. I was like, I'm going to pronounce this like a <laughs> cultured motherfucker. But <laughs> about to nail this. Everybody fucking watch.
0: This is the last episode of the season.
1: Uh, thankfully. Fucking God. It's finally over. This one was, I think, was this the worst one? We thought number two was the worst one, and this one... No,
0: two is still the worst. This one just went all over the place. Yeah. Like, this one had the highest highs and the lowest lows, I would say. Yeah.
1: There were, like, long stretches where we were like, this is great! And then just, we were like, what's behind door number three? And it would be a little, like... Gross demon. It would basically be like like Cthulhu would just like rise up out of the shadows in this episode in this season. We we saw some shit.
0: I got really nothing to lead into this. Let's just go ahead and do the intro. We are talking about season three, episode thirty-two, the Big House. Originally airs May 6, nineteen sixty-three. Written by Harvey Bullock and directed by. This is the last time we'll ever be able to make this joke. Bob Sweeney.
1: Notorious riverboat gambler Bob Sweeney.
0: Directed by department store Santa manager Bob Sweeney.
1: Sentient handlebar mustache Bob Sweeney's. Big Bob Sweeney of Bob Sweeney's
0: Automotive. Home of the best deals on wheels just south of I-95 on the parkway. Tell him
1: Big Bob sent ya. Civil and Revolutionary War reenactor, Bob Sweeney That one's
0: good, I like that one Your mom's high school
1: boyfriend, Bob Sweeney Whimsical candy store owner with a dark secret, Bob Sweeney Minor character in a Thomas Pynchon novel,
0: Bob Sweeney Pseudonym for the devil, Bob Sweeney (laughs) You'll rue the day you cross Bob Sweeney
1: Author of A Gentleman's Guide to Pool Sharking, Bob Sweeney. Horniest Guy in the Retirement Home, Bob Sweeney. Overly talkative mid-range dentist, Bob Sweeney. (laughs) Uncle that just found a quarter behind your ear, Bob Sweeney. Traveling tonic salesman, Bob Sweeney. Belligerent NPC in an open world video game, Bob Sweeney. Golden Corral Lifetime Pass Holder, Bob Sweeney. Prime Boss Assassinated in the First Five Minutes of the Movie. Bob Sweeney. Guy
0: who's still not sure why they canceled Nash Bridges, Bob Sweeney. Purveyor of artisanal
1: fudges, Bob Sweeney. (laughs) You're not my real dad, Bob Sweeney. Guy who owns an Irish pub, even though he's technically Dutch, Bob Sweeney. For sale,
0: running shoes, never worn, Bob Sweeney.
1: A Los Feliz music video producer who knows the name is ridiculous, but is just kind of leaning into it, Bob Sweeney. Banned from not one, not two, but three Frank Sinatra open mic nights, Bob Sweeney. Only ever cries when Mr. Holland's opus is on, Bob Sweeney. (laughs) 1985
0: Pontiac Fiero in a human
1: body, Bob Sweeney. Guy who does finger guns at every single staff meeting, Bob Sweeney. His black friend laughed at that joke, Bob Sweeney. A character that Golden Age Batman straight up murders, Bob Sweeney. Met
0: his third wife on his first honeymoon, Bob Sweeney. Capitalizes the first letter of every word in his Facebook comments. Bob Sweeney. B to the O to the B to the Sweeney. Giving you advice like Mr. Feeny. Gives the direction to Barney's erections like John Cena. You can't see me. Forward, 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 <laughs> re. I saw this and thought of you. Bob Sweeney. Bob <laughs> Sweeney. Guy who owns every single film in Kenny Rogers the Gambler franchise on Laserdisc somehow. Bob Sweeney. Three Wolves Howling at the Moon t shirt, men's
1: extra large, Bob Sweeney. The most spherical man in all of Long Island, Bob Sweeney. <laughs> Up next to bat for the Sutherland Valley Baptist Church softball team, Bob Sweeney. The first character to die in your Oregon Trail Party, Bob Sweeney. <laughs>
0: And here is your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney and Gomer are in charge of guarding two out of four criminals, while Andy is out pursuing the other two.
1: Which sounds like the beginning to a, like, a thought puzzle. Like, <laughs> if, if if Barney leaves the criminals with a bag of grain, they'll eat it. But Andy has to move the chicken.
0: Barney is guarding two criminals. One will always tell the truth, and the other will always <laughs> lie.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so dumb. This episode kind of rules, but also is extremely dumb. Well, from the opening scene, right? The opening scene is
0: just B-roll of sirens and car chases and, like, old 1950s police sirens, basically. And when it started, I actually elicited an audible, oh, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. from me. Because the best Andy Griffith episodes start with that way. Yeah. And the best Harvey Bullock episodes start that way, really.
1: It's basically um, just the show announcing to you, like, stakes. This one has stakes. There there's there's actual problems in this one. Buckle the fuck up, kiddos.
0: Yeah, the best ones are the ones that are uh, that are cop-heavy, you know, the ones that are actual like detective shows. But this one was just like, yeah, we're doing some shit. And I was, and I was like, yeah all right, cool. We 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 bullocks on his game, and then it just devolves into stupidity so fast.
1: Yeah. It really the entire episode is basically just like like, in the Hall of the Mountain King should be playing in the background of it the entire time. of like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. It's just like this Rube Goldberg machine of stupid bullshit happening. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just this stupid thing happens, which causes this stupid thing to happen, which causes this stupid thing to happen, and then dumb. But
0: then after the styrins and the cars going fast and all the B-roll footage, uh, we go to the Mayberry Jail, where Barney and opie are listening to the radio and gomer is there for some reason he's just around Uh,
1: sometimes
0: yeah gomer's just there now yeah they're listening to the radio about the uh the news and the news reporter you know old-timey news basically a daring robbery was perpetrated outside of raleigh and the four bandits have split but two have been captured so, two of them have been captured, and the radio announces that they are going to be held at the jail of the Mayberry Courthouse. Which- Which is news to Barney uh, and Andy. Okay, which,
1: on a, a, a couple of things to stop here. One, bandits? What are they, like, old-timey highwaymen? <laughs> like- <laughs> Did they rob a stagecoach? Did they hold them up with a short sword while wearing, like, little black domino masks? Like, what the fuck? Also, <laughs> like- yeah, imagine just being like, oh, so these, um, criminals we just got, uh, you guys, and, and also they have two accomplices that are still at large. You guys want to know where they're going to be held? Exactly where we're, where they're gonna be? Do, in case yeah. you're like an accomplice or also just a crazy person who wants to try to shoot them. Like, do you, also we didn't prep them at all for this. They're finding out from, from the fucking radio yeah what if they weren't listening to the radio at that point what if they'd had people in the jail cells what if like what if there had been like okay well we have we're we're absolutely booked up with uh with murderers and psychopaths so i guess put
0: them in with them and and later on in the episode a couple of detectives actually kind of justify this by saying yeah sheriff we decided to put them here in Mayberry and let everyone know that they were going to be in Mayberry because we figured since your jail is so shitty and podunk that they the other two would come to try to bail their friends out like they, they literally just leaked that information out there as bait and didn't bother to tell Andy or
1: Barney which okay all right we're gonna we're gonna fast forward very ahead but yes, the I think they're FBI agents. I don't totally know what their deal is, but state police maybe. I'm not sure. They're using the Mayberry jail as a as as a trap to to catch the other two wanted criminals. And their their plan is, uh, a-
0: according to uh, Mayberry Wiki, uh, it's a state police detective. So, right. it's, uh, yeah, North Carolina State PD.
1: They suck at their jobs because they're they they set up this elaborate trap and like the mechanism through which they're going to spring the trap is, I'm going to squat down behind this cardboard box. You're going to squat down behind this cardboard box. There's two of us. There's two of them. We got guns. So we'll just do, like, a shootout in the street to catch these guys. That sounds good, right? Like, it's (laughs) not like they're like, alright, we set up this sting operation. We have 40 men! (laughs) Or, like, or even, they're sub Scooby-Doo level. Like, at least have a net. At least have, like, a chandelier that's going to fall and put a tire on the two of them. But they're just like, me and Johnson, we both got pistols and we're slightly crouching. Uh, it's a fucking dog shit plan that goes about as well as it deserves to.
0: Yeah, 100%. Like, Barney fucks up this plan, but it's not... Totally Barney's
1: fault. The fact that Barney could fuck up this plan indicates how shitty of a plan it is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Uh, Anyway, back back to the first scene. Yeah. Barney, like, hears that they're coming and very justifiably goes,
1: what the fuck, man? What is happening?
0: (laughs) What? What? We're putting criminals here, okay, sure. And then the music in this scene yeah. is so ridiculous. Just
1: suddenly, it's a smooth jazz set, <laughs> like just like ambient sex starts playing, which is right. very weird because that has never happened on this show. It's it's so strange. It sounds like careless whispering. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it it's like it's like Barney's just sitting there going, "We need more men, and we need more more deputies, and more guns," and blah blah blah. In the background, it's like. Dee.
1: Yeah, like, it's not... I'm never gonna dance again. It's not even, like, the jazz you play in a noir when someone is like, I'm gonna track (laughs) down the killer. It's like, it's like, come on, baby, I'm seducing you. Do you want to hear my sax and the dulcet tones of Barney Fife shrieking? Is this gonna
0: it's such a weird kenny g shit that gets played in this it sounds like scene. Bi-
1: like at any point in this scene barry white is just going to start being like oh yeah baby
0: like oh, oh when i when i get that feeling mandy oh, <laughs> well i need i need sexual healing <laughs> Fuck, sexual sexual healing baby our Barney Fife impressions are not getting better. At some point, they are getting worse.
1: At some point, we need to do a montage <laughs> of our Barney Fife impressions and how they've mutated. Like at this point, they sound like a race of bird creatures that, like, <laughs> like the the half men, half bird hybrids that cl- that like live on the cliffs of Sactthora. Like, they don't sound like humans anymore.
0: <laughs> so anyway, Barney does his whole thing like look, if you you know how this goes, Barney demands that they get extra men. He needs some help and he goes, "I don't know. I don't know if we need an extra man. It's it's just going to be like they're just going to be here for one night." Um
1: uh, and, and there is one line that I really like where he's like, "We're going to hire an extra man and don't worry. I don't want you to worry about hiring him or overseeing him or really thinking about him in any any way. He'll report to me." And so it's basically just like Barney being like, "I want an underling. Like it's not like I want a coworker. It's like, give me someone that I can boss around, please."
0: And so, of course, he selects the guy who is barely cognizant of any situation at any particular point in time. Oh, are you uh,
1: are you ready to be very very careful in our language in the upcoming scene? Because <laughs> I am.
0: So, of course, Gomer Pyle is deputized for, I think, the se- for the second time this season. Oh, we did skip over an episode uh, that we'll have to return back to at some point. We skipped over the first time that Bar- that Gomer was deputized uh, because that's the episode that's like, hey, what if police brutality was good? Um,
1: what if police brutality made your life better? Um, yeah. Which we have backburnered until we are ready to handle it, which might be... Never. It might very much be never. Uh, there's a very strong chance that we are not the guys that will ever be able to talk tackle that fucking episode.
0: I mean, look, look, I, I, maybe we can tackle it right now. There's an episode of the Andy Griffith Show whose moral is sometimes being shot by the cops is good.
1: Yeah, a guy, a guy shows up and is like, hey, you shot me in the hip forever ago. I want you to let you know I had it coming and it turned my life around. Thank you. Uh, and also Barney, uh, raises a militia illegally, uh, basically for a, uh, an illegal killing. It's a whole thing.
0: It's a whole thing. It's a whole episode that now, like, we've teased and we're never going to give you. Yeah. We, we need backup. We need somebody more competent than us for us. But this episode, yeah. right, is Gomer being deputized for the second time this season, and probably not the last time of the series, uh... But they put the uniform on Gomer, and that's the big joke: is that Gomer is uh, now a cop, and Andy looks legitimately upset. Like it,
1: not even like not TV show Andy Griffith upset. The upset that you would be in a real world situation where your 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 coworker had given a gun to a developmentally disabled person, like it is like. Like real life confusion and anxiety, uh, like manifest on Andy Griffith's face. Very weird choice for this light-hearted <laughs> romp. Like, if you're going to do this, you'd think the way I'd be like, "Oh, Barney."
0: Oh boy, then, no, he looks legitimately upset. Like, we
1: shouldn't, we shouldn't do this. This is wrong. You, this is. <laughs> yeah, he's basically like, dude, not. Not Gomer and not Barney's cool. like, why not? not? Cool. And he's like, no, I'm I'm not fucking with you right now. Not Gomer. Don't give Gomer a gun. And Barney's like, he can do it. He's he has hands. He's strong. And Andy's like, okay, great. You're doing a whole thing, and I appreciate it. Um, you can't fucking do this. Please don't do this. Please do not do this. I'm begging you. I'm on my hands and knees with tears in my eyes. Do not do this. And Barney's like, it's done. Uh, And then the episode continues. So, yeah, one of the
0: North Carolina State PD comes in and they deposit the criminal. Uh, Barney does this whole fucking monologue about, like, just power tripping. Like, welcome to the rock! And he's doing the whole, uh, like, we're big time uh, jail. You may think we're small timers. Blah, blah, blah. The, The same shit we've seen Barney do a bunch of times we're gonna fast forward through it uh for your benefit because we couldn't
1: yeah Uh it's i wanted to fast forward through this monologue so bad it felt like listening to hold music like it it it's it really evoked like being on uh on hold with my like health insurance and being like did you know about our silver plan (laughs) (laughs) for just uh for just $10 more, you can get access to dental. Bwah, bwah, na, 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 na. Hello. Uh, did you know about our silver plan? Like, it just felt like that. Like, in my bones. By the way, you
0: know you know what we didn't mention is, Opie was in the last scene. He didn't contribute anything, and he's not in the rest of the episode. But uh, Ron Howard got his paycheck.
1: It's... I feel like Stephen Howard, or whatever uh, Ron Howard's dad's name is, I don't Rance. know. Rance.
0: His name is Rance. He's been on the show a few times.
1: Right. Rance Howard. I feel like he was just like, oh, you trying to cheat me and my boy out of our paycheck by not by doing an episode that doesn't involve child matters? Uh, <laughs> I'm getting my fucking money. Put him in the first scene. Have him yell, paw, while this sure is an episode of television. Paw! Pa! <laughs> did pa! you pa, the episode started Pa! we're the andy griffith show Pa! and he's like get the fuck out of here he's like okay i got paid which way to accounting
0: <laughs> ronnie howard gets paid by the paw yeah uh, so that's it he does that speech fade to black come back andy uh andy comes in and basically andy's thing is like go- barney needs to watch these two Because he's like, I have to go and search for the other two that are still on the loose. Which, no, you fucking don't. Literally, not. Not at all. Your job or your jurisdiction. There are clearly state police on on the case. Yeah. Like, very much not your job. But whatever.
1: Like, although, all right. The people handling this are those two guys again. The crouch behind boxes guys. So there yes. is a strong chance that they're just like, all right, we caught two of them. Goodbye. Have fun. <laughs> I
0: mean, we th- th- this has happened this like from episode one, right? From Manhunt, yeah. It has been shown that the state police are fucking useless without Andy's uh, backwoods know-how. Yeah,
1: yeah. this. So. Yeah, it's it's very dumb. He just basically is like, well, I have this shotgun. I'm about. I'm off to walk around the town. He does. Half of this episode is anytime Andy's not on screen,
0: which is a lot of this episode. Uh, it's very weird how little Andy Griffiths is on this episode of The Andy Griffiths Show. Uh, but anytime he's not on screen, uh, he's just walking around with at least one shotgun. Sometimes he's brandishing yeah. two
1: rules. <laughs> Do you think the people of Mayberry were at all alarmed to see their usually unarmed sheriff just storming around with a loaded shotgun? Do you think it was yeah. like, hey, Floyd, how's cutting hair today? You doing good? Click, oh. click.
0: Oh, I certainly don't like where this is going. Heaven's a Murgatroyd. Yeah. Like,
1: That's
0: right. Oh, Floyd hey. well, is just snaggletooth.
1: Hey, Sarah, how's the farm doing? Oh, don't mind old Bessie here. I'm just looking for a man to shoot in the back.
0: You know, it's it's... It's like when you see a showdown about to start in a Western, right? And everybody just, like, starts going inside the saloon and starts, like, barricading up their windows real quick. See, so, yeah, same thing. You just see Andy wandering on Main Street with a shotgun. You're like, oh,
1: we better go now. Because he's just explicitly established, like, hey, any problem that involves an armed person I can solve with folksy know-how and just kind of being like, hey, cut that out. Yeah, so, Andy's
0: whole thing is, I'm not gonna get a gun unless I think I need to use a gun. So if Andy's got a gun...
1: Like, that would be the equivalent of, like, nuclear... Like, nukes are about to hit sirens going off. Like, well, yeah.
0: Like Andy's made it real clear that he doesn't carry guns unless he's gotta shoot someone.
1: Yes. If- so he's just basically, like, to all the innocent... To, like, the kids that are playing on the sidewalk, he's like, Hey, kids, been given no choice, but gotta go shoot a man. Have a good yeah. time.
0: Andy comes back in the jail and the prisoners are super trained by Barney. He's got them like on a dog whistle, like a a whistle blowing thing. He blows the whistle. They stand up. He blows the whistle. They walk out of the cell. He blows the whistle. They walk into the other cell. He blows the whistle. They sit down and they eat their meal. Uh, And Andy goes, okay, this is weird. This is dumb. Whatever. Where's Gomer? Uh, He takes Andy outside, points up at the roof where Gomer is parked and asleep. Uh, camped out like he's Justin Bartha's character in The Hangover. Uh, and, uh, they yell, Gomer, wake up! And he drops his rifle for what will be the first of several times this episode.
1: Yeah, which is like, again, this is more of a hit on Andy than Barney. Because the first time that someone drops a rifle, you should be like, Welp, this is extremely done. Yeah, you don't... You don't
0: get the rifle back after you drop it off of a building, right? That's not... But then again, like as we've pointed out numerous times, like Barney Fife should be barred from holding a firearms license or ever owning a gun ever, and Andy refuses to take it from him despite the many times that Barney has nearly killed his
1: child. His psychotic behavior combined with crippling arthritis that <laughs> makes him incapable of holding a gun...
0: Honestly, we've done this so many times that even our bits making fun of it are just they're forced. They're it's, stale. It's, it's um, unfun- I just it's want super unfunny. I just um, wanted
1: one time where, like, when Gomer drops the rifle off the roof and it falls, it just goes off and just hits a guy in the shoulder, and he's just like, "Oh, hey Andy, how's it going? You been see, to the yeah, you been if, to the lake they, this week? Oh god!" If they
0: lampshided it, if they lampshaded it just a bit, it would be funny again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. So they go up to the roof uh, where Gomer is monitoring the entire town, basically. Uh, his updates are basically... The morning report. He's like, oh, they're, they're cooking over there. And those two gentlemen had an argument or whatever. It's dumb. Uh, but then but then Andy looks around and he sees that there's a bunch of, like, Christmas and Halloween decorations up on the roof. Which, what? <laughs> what? Why? And he says, "Barty, you were supposed to put all this shit away. Okay, look... Uh, Gomer, you fucking clean up all this shit. Clean up all these light bulbs and things. Uh, and also, the entire time this is happening, Jim Neighbors, Gomer Pyle, is just putting the tip of the gun in his mouth. Yeah. Just it's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and just leaning on it. And by the way, Gomer's mouth is always open and aghast. So he's just kind of like, just like leaning the his the, his top jaw on on the barrel of the gun he's just it's like hemming it
1: weighing it so hard the entire scene and <laughs> fucking andy at one point has to say get that gun out of your mouth which and like I,
0: I get that that was the build-up for the joke but when i saw him doing it i again audibly just yelled
1: Jesus yeah, it's, at, my, at my screen it's like you do have to do a thing like for all of our like edgy humor and like how much raunchy we can get, you definitely can't do a thing where someone sucks on the end of a gun.
0: Yeah, that's true. I, I guess for all of the people who complain you can't make that joke anymore or whatever, you're right this this is something you could not make today. Yeah uh for the better Yes
1: for good <laughs> like I I'm just I just really couldn't get past the thing of like like hey, uh, here's some Chekhov's light bulbs. Uh, they're just inexplicably on the on the roof. We just got loose light bulbs all over, and you're just supposed to breeze past them and just be like, "Oh yeah, you know, roof light bulbs." Yeah, totally, totally got you.
0: Uh, I was watching the show New Girl mm-hmm. uh, recently, and there is one episode of New Girl where uh some of the characters are at a cabin and they find some shotguns, and and Zoe Deschanel's character does pick up the gun and like. <sighs> Waves it around for a little bit. And that's funny because everyone's reaction is appropriate because
1: everyone is yelling, Jesus! No! No! Yeah. I really want to see what happens when someone gets shot in this show because I feel like it just kind of hurts. Like... It's possible to make jokes
0: about lack of gun safety. But you have to point out how unsafe it is.
1: Alright, to to overanalyze, I feel like this might be why, like... Like, people don't totally understand that guns can kill you. And everyone's just like, here's my guns. They're all loaded. They're on the living room table. Because, like, I feel like for a large portion of American media, it was like, oh, yeah, bullets don't really kill you. They just kind of hurt really bad. It's basically just, like, paintball. Because, like, everyone in, like, old TV shows are just, like, waving my gun in my face. Nothing bad will happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, where the fuck were we? They're on the roof. Gomer just sucked on a gun. Uh, uh
0: So, downstairs, the prisoners are having a conversation where they're basically like, Hello, here's the plot of the episode. Yeah. Alright, listen, Tiny. What we're gonna do is we're gonna play this rube. And we're going to wait for the opportune moment. Let him think he's in charge. This is my bad guy voice.
1: I, I get we've talked about it before, but I really do like that. All the bad guys are from like the, the island nation of bad guyonia. Like <laughs> They're just they all have like a specific dialect. And for some reason, they're all dressed like bad guys. It's just so they good. Go, they go to the bad guy store and buy their bad guy hats. Welcome to being a criminal in the Andy Griffith universe. Here's your black hat and here are your jowls. <laughs> get out there. Really make a, make a life for yourself. If you get arrested, don't worry. You can just escape and I'm assuming live a productive life. Uh, just like casually being on the land.
0: This episode really allows us to just fucking play the hits. I mean, I don't i don't know we're just basically on autopilot at this point folks i don't it's
1: all of it it's this is basically a clip show we're basically (laughs) doing a clip show right now because the next thing is about to be a thing from another episode all right because barney goes into the jail and two criminals manipulate him out of being being let out of prison And they do it by playing on his fragile ego. Do you need the specifics? I have show notes. Do we need them? <laughs> like, I'm kind of realizing, is it stupid to go beat by beat on this? I'm very sorry, podcast listeners, that were kind of realizing this as we go. But, yeah, they play on Barney's fragile ego uh, Andy catches
0: them. The prisoners do trick Barney into letting them out. Uh, the details are not important. We'll get in, we won't get into them. But my favorite part of this is every time we've seen them do this so far, they at least try to sneak. They at least try to, like, appear that it's. This time, the two criminals got out of the jail cell and then just blatantly walked briskly out the sorry. door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just made no attempt to hide it, just walked straight and just open the door and just left which i feel like not even the back door out the front door right into main street
1: i feel like (laughs) is the andy griffith show being on the same wavelength we are where it's just like do you need them to sneak do you need them to tiptoe you know what this is like we're doing we're doing andy griffith plot sequence three like
0: fuck off and then barney realizes that they're not there and responds to this with the same tone and concern level that I have when I don't know where my cat is. Yeah. <laughs> like, he literally looks around like, Tiny?
1: Oh, crap.
0: Bo? Where are you? Where did you go? Where'd you go? And then he, like, shakes some bad guy <laughs> treats. <laughs> To see if he can get them to come out of their hiding spots, <laughs> then he then he looks underneath the dresser to see if they climbed under there, and then he hears one of them vomiting in his shoe. Yeah. So then he's like,
1: "Oh, there you are!" <laughs> oh, just picks one up by the scruff of the neck, <laughs> just be like, "Oh, look at you, what am I gonna do with you?" <laughs> Fucking a! I'm. This whole episode is basically like. The end of a book report. Just like, and in summation, Holden Caulfield needed to learn that you can let go of innocence. This has been my report on Catcher in the Rye. Thank you.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, uh, they go out the front door and Barney wanders around for a little bit and then something happened off screen because a minute later, the two of them walk back in through the back door with their hands in the air and and he's holding a
1: shotgun on them. Very lackadaisically, um, just like, yeah. not even, like, holding a shotgun. He's just, like, making the presence of the shotgun known. Uh, and then Annie's
0: just kind of goes like, Barn, don't do this. Barn, Barn, Barn.
1: Again, uh, he so lightly reprimands him. He's, he's just basically like, you understand that just what happened is bad. And Barney's like, yes, but I don't see any connection between that and my actions. And Annie's like, fine. Uh like
0: uh, this will have
1: no bearing on my future behavior. Yeah. Like I've learned nothing. If anything, I'm going to double down. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Uh, and he
0: does because he immediately leaves them with the key. He immediately hangs the key up on the rack, which as we all know, Andy they Griffith leave it there plot for the
1: Twenty-seven.
0: Uh-huh, blah blah blah. They escape again. Uh this is a, a fun bit where they walk out the door and as or they get to the door, and as they get to the door, Andy opens the door, and he's holding two shotguns this time, and he just kind of shrugs and he just lifts one up. Yeah. Um uh, you, you know what it kept reminding me of was those uh those Looney Tunes cartoons? Morning Ralph, morning Sam, <laughs> yeah. with the coyote and the sheepdog. Yeah. Uh, the, coy- uh, the the sheepdog just happens to show up there all the time and foil each one of the coyote's plans, and then they check out at the end. Those are great cartoons
1: middle school, like, it it definitely has elementary school tag rules going on. Like, (laughs) like, they did a a jailbreak, but the way you did in, like, a game in in gym class.
0: A game of freeze tag. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, like, oh, I got you. And then just, like, the grumpy march back to jail. Ah, fuck. This is so stupid. (laughs) So, what are we we doing with our lives? (laughs) So that was...
0: Jailbreak two out of three. Andy is outside with the uh, state troopers, and at this point, we mentioned this earlier, the state troopers are like, hey, your jail sucks ass, and we're gonna use it as a trap, because you are an easy, easy mark.
1: He's like, no offense, but this jail sucks shit, and every criminal that looks at it gets a rock-hard erection. Uh, just, like, aching to break someone out of here. No offense, though. I'm sure you guys do a great job. But, (laughs) ooh, I couldn't imagine a better trap if I I drew one up myself. Wow. So, anyway, um, you have good deputies, right? Like, you have rock-solid deputies that if it came down to a shootout or something like that, you could depend on. And Andy's like, if I don't say yes... You can't hold me legally liable. So, uh, let's see what happens. Um, and then... And, and their their plan is so stupid.
0: Their plan is just like, okay, well, uh, Andy, you go hang out and we're gonna go hide behind some boxes in this alley. <laughs>
1: yeah, just like, like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna crouch down. Like, it's, and, and they also have the brilliant idea to not tell anybody that this is happening. Like
0: everything that happened from this moment on is actually Andy's fault because all of this could be could be uh settled with oh hey team meeting team meeting yeah
1: <laughs> just a quick heads up we got a trap going on meet these guys they're police officers I know they're dressed exactly the same as the criminals but they're not but, the criminals
0: that's the fun part right is that all of the state the plainclothes cops the state detectives uh dress like they got. They they went to the Bad Guy Onia surplus
1: store. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they So like they they have the same clothes on as the bad guys, but they actually got it at a thirty percent discount.
1: They look so. like they got cut from Team Bad Guy. Like <laughs> they look like they just quite didn't make it. Uh yeah, no, it's so dumb. And That's such that's such a good
0: fucking like backstory for them too. Like all of the like detectives in the Andy Griffiths universe tried out to be bad guys first, and when they couldn't do it, they decided to bat for the other team for revenge.
1: Yeah, like I, I
0: like that. I like that
1: story. Like, uh, like being a criminal is the majors, and being, uh, being a cop is the minors.
0: <laughs> it's like it's like the inverse of the longest yard, like prisoners versus guards football game. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it like the the criminals are always like these these like very well organized thought out careful motherfuckers and the cops are just like Pfft, i don't know <laughs> do you want to do a shootout in the middle of the street you don't have to tell anybody that we're going to do that right
0: every know. one of these dynamics is like the diner scene from heat but if nobody actually gave a shit about any of the outcomes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're not so different, you and me. I have this job, you have that job. Also, uh, we both hate this fucking Andy guy. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're not so different, you and I. Which one am I again? <laughs> am I the? Am I the criminal? No, you're the criminal. I'm am the- I? Pa- am I Pacino or De Niro? <laughs> it's unclear. Do neither Dan or Marty are that good at impressions? Whoa! <laughs> oh wait, no, I'm Pacino. Okay, cool.
0: So anyway, the cri- the other two criminals roll up and they case the jail.
1: Um No, the the great thing is like one of them is like uh one of them is like, "All right, let's go in and break him out." And he's like, "Hold on, hold on. Let's case it." And they just sit in the car and stare at the building for a little bit. They're like, "All right, done. We did it. It's cased. Let's get in there."
0: <laughs> yeah, but one of one of them doesn't even give a shit. Like they pull up and and oh, uh, one of them's like Okay, that's where they're holding them? Well, let's go fucking get them. Like, let's just go... Like, like the the state troopers are completely right in their assumption that uh, the criminals aren't going to give a shit about this place. They pull up and one of them's like, okay, let's go get Look like, like, they're running in for groceries. Yeah. <laughs> let's go bust them out. Like, keep the car running.
1: Uh, yeah. Like, I don't want
0: to have to, like, carry this too far.
1: Yeah, like... <laughs> Like, I'll be in and out, be like, no, 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 but you're gonna be in and out. Like, I'm not, you, don't get sidetracked, just get in there, grab them, and be like, I'm gonna, like... If
0: you don't, if if you see someone that you know, just wave, don't have a conversation, like...
1: Like, I'm not, I'm not turning off the car, okay? You always do this.
0: <laughs> we, are supposed to be somewhere. Yeah. Just, uh, you promised. Uh... <laughs> But no, and and, 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 it just occurs to the other one like, hold on, let's look around a little bit. Let's look around at all. Because one of them is, is, is just ready
1: to fucking go. Like, I, but I just, I really love that he says case the joint and they remain perfectly still. Yeah, they don't get out of the car at that point. <laughs> they
0: time. just. By, by ca- case the joint, they mean, like, they move their head back and forth a little bit. One of them leans forward in the driver's seat and looks out the window.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, can I see anybody inside? Uh, not sure. Okay, I think it's case.
0: <laughs> In Andy Griffith world, just the only reason why this entire universe works is that Andy Griffith is the only one with more than two brain cells. Like,
1: <laughs> just everyone. Cops is cops and the such criminals are dumb- so
0: fucking stupid.
1: It's just, it's idiocracy rules. It's just like a normal human being capable of like basic cognitive functionality is a living God in this universe. It's so So dumb. out
0: on the, up on the roof, Gomer is still like unscrewing those light bulbs and putting them in a box. Um, Barney hears something and then he looks down into the alley uh, and he sees the two, the two cops. You know, and he automatically assumes, "Oh shit, those are the other two criminals. They've come here to to bust to them bust out." Them Which, fine, that's a
1: fine fucking, a completely reasonable like, like thing. Barney's doing a great job in this yeah. moment. Like, yeah, you ta- you saw, you see two guys in suits holding guns and squatting down behind your jail. Yeah, you should kind of think that they're fucking criminals. By the
0: way, uh, it's it's not that funny. It's not funny enough for me to, like, read everything. But I should notice that the positioning of the alley is a topic of some debate on the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki. Uh, of the notes and trivia, they've listed, like, nothing on the rooftop makes sense. How can there be an alley where there's no room? If the courthouse and Floyd's uh, barbershop are attached to each other, where's the alley?
1: Do you think that this is like actually driven them insane? Where it's just like, guys, I found an inconsistency in the end. It's like this. It's like the, those, it's like the, the people
0: fu- who make like blueprints of the Simpsons house and have found out that there's like a like a living room that disappears sometimes.
1: Like they finally found the inconsistency that breaks the reality of this magical world, and they're just like, wait, if there's an alley sometimes, but there's not an alley other times, that means that this is a TV show and not a place I could potentially drive to. Uh, and escape from all of my problems and, and, and the liberal agenda. And th- this is just the episode that's driven them insane.
0: Barney comes down and literally the conversation that's happening between the two state agencies is they're both hiding behind boxes. And for like a line of dialogue that I guess Bob Sweeney thought was very important to keep inside of the, uh, the scene. One of them's just like, you know what? We're too close. Go stand. Go sit behind that box up there. And one of them gets up to do it. And according to the ultra reliable Mayberry Wiki, you can actually hear Bob Sweeney yell, Don! Don!
1: <laughs> Going out in style,
0: Bob Sweeney. <laughs> Which makes sense because like, it feels like there's a second that t- it takes just a second too long there.
1: That's so great that like, he left that in and he's like, Well, my work here is done. <laughs> I've successfully stewarded this show. Uh, for three seasons, and now Fire I'm off. Uh, Fire Bob Sweeney, the- will you? <laughs> Fire Bob Sweeney. Well, then I guess I'm taking my editor with me.
0: <laughs> Bob Sweeney directed like 75 episodes of the show, and not once did he learn how to yell cut. <laughs> Just <laughs> commitment. <laughs> commitment it's- to a bit. It- Bob Sweeney.
1: Someone trying to explain to Bob Sweeney that you don't have to show all actions for the audience to know that they happen. Like, Bob, if I show if I show him in, in a place one scene and and then he's in another place another scene, they will assume that he walked there. And Bob's like, like cocks his head like a dog, be like, so we're doing the scene where he walks, right? <laughs> We have to do the scene where he climbs down off of a ladder, right? Yeah, like, right? <laughs> if I don't show him getting into the car and starting the car when he's in a different place later, everyone's going to freak out.
0: So so Barney pops up and he, he yells, hold it, and he arrests the cops, basically. Uh, he arrests them and he says, okay, g- put your guns away, you gotta go, and he drags them into the... Uh, into the jail and they are protesting saying, ask your sheriff, look us up. We're the good guys. We're the cops. And then and then the, the, the actual criminals get in on this by kind of saying like, oh, it's, give it up. Give it up, Scarface. <laughs> They've got us yeah. now. There's no use in doing this. And you know what? This is all ridiculous. It's so dumb. But is it really, ask yourself, is it really that different than the rooftop scene in The Departed? Where Leonardo DiCaprio's got the gun to Matt Damon's head and is yelling at Anthony Anderson, You know who I am! <laughs> we went to the Academy together, you know who I am!
1: Yeah, yeah, same, same idea. Th- same it's, thing. It's basically, just basically the idea that if you repeat over and over again, I am a cop, I am a cop, people will be like, This
0: guy might be a cop! All right, <laughs> The Departed, Heat, we're hitting all the classics in this one.
1: Do you think if I'm ever in trouble, I could just be like... You know me! We went to the academy together! Steve! Come on, it's Dan! I'm undercover! That's why I was shoplifting from the 7-Eleven! You know me! Let me go! I was in the process of a sting! I've never
0: met this man in my life.
1: We have a podcast together! (laughs) Does that mean nothing?! (laughs)
0: <laughs> i like how you go you have to have a, Bo- a boston accent
1: <laughs> yeah all cops have boston <laughs> access whether they know it or the not the other
0: criminals sneak in they put barney in the jail they pull they pull a gun on barney and they lock him up so now barney's locked up in one jail cell with the two with the two cops uh and the criminals get their friends out and so all four of them go out the back Uh, And Andy pops out of the other alley, which, by the way, there's two alleys, and he yells, hold it right there. And then Gomer drops his gun onto Andy's gun, and somehow no one dies.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, And then the guys are just like, all right, continue running, and they just, like, start to scamper off. One loaded
0: gun falls from a great distance on top of another
1: loaded gun, and nothing happens. (laughs) <laughs> it would have been more believable if both guns had gone off and then the bullets had ricocheted off of like stop signs and just taken all the criminals out. I would have been more like, yeah, that makes sense, that tracks. But what actually happens
0: is uh, that Gomer then drops his basket of light bulbs. So when the light bulbs fall down, they go pop 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 pop. And then the criminals start going, oh, shit, it's a machine gun. It's a machine gun. And then they all stop. And, the, and yeah, which it seems counterintuitive <laughs> like, because, like, honestly, if, if I think that someone is shooting at me with a machine gun, holding still is not going to be the top of my brain.
1: At least not like your gut, like primal instinct be like, oh, shit, I am in imminent danger. Better hold still. It's probably like bear rules, yeah. right? Yeah. get real it, big, and the machine gun will will be
0: fooled by you. If, yes, exactly. If it's a brown machine gun, you have to play dead. <laughs> if it's a black machine gun, you have to get real big.
1: <laughs> I th- and if it's a if it's a white machine gun, then you are dead.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's the that's rule, the role, bears, right? I think I might have that backwards. Do not do not trust us. <laughs> Uh, do not trust our advice with bears
1: or anything else we have said so many times on this podcast that we are an authority on what to do in the event of bear attack and we have to strongly examine the possibility that that is not the case we do know that a polar bear will kill you
0: dead regardless of what we do in, in the episode but have you seen the article about the libertarian town that got overrun by bears (laughs) <laughs> oh, but please send that to oh me! Oh my god, it's amazing! It's it's so fucking beautiful. It's basically the plot of Bioshock, but with bears. <laughs> I, I won't I won't spoil anything for you, but the gist of it is this: right, is that a bunch of internet libertarians found this little tiny town in New Hampshire, which is already a pretty libertarian state, but they found this tiny yes. town in New Hampshire with like two hundred people. No, I'm sorry. It it hit with like 800 people. And they were like, well, this town is small enough. If we moved there, we could get involved in local government and take over, basically. And they did. Over a process of several years, 200 people, internet libertarians, moved to this town. So they went from 800 to 1,000 people in a very small amount. And that's enough, enough basically, to get an electoral majority. And so they embedded themselves Mm -hmm. into uh this town's government and disassembled it from the inside uh and since there were no zoning laws right These people basically had addresses that were like shipping containers and yurts or whatever <laughs> so all these libertarian nutjobs dismantled this fucking town uh basically and the town suddenly had to deal with number one a 20% increase in population and a nearly 100% decrease in funding so of course everything yeah. falls to shit, right? The crime goes up, and, and potholes, you know, never get fixed, and everything falls into disrepair. And then the bears come.
1: <laughs> it's the best part of that is, and this is a unique New England, uh, a unique New England perspective. But imagine being a libertarian in New Hampshire and thinking that you have to do anything, but imagine being a libertarian in New Hampshire and looking around, being like this isn't libertarian enough no no no, no. Yeah, you're right, I, you're right. <laughs> yeah it's like the most libertarian place you could be nevada fucking looks at new hampshire and being like you guys have gone too far with the whole libertarian thing you need to chill the fuck out and
0: yeah so so and then the bears come <laughs> and this libertarian town gets overrun by fucking bears <laughs> and no one knows or has ability or can do anything or thinks they should do anything <laughs> it's the
1: funniest fucking thing i've ever seen, i've ever read <laughs> it's so libertarian's beautiful. Libertarians trip over their own dicks is the funniest genre of things. Did I ever tell you? Um, I. Uh, so I did not. Uh, I did. This did not happen to me, but I heard about this af- right after it happened. But the Temple Libertarians Club invited Milton Friedman's son to do be a guest speaker at the uh, uh at at the university, and he uh, he came out to speak. Uh, walking on his hands because apparently he's also a circus performer, and uh, they were like they wanted him to talk about his father and the tenets of uh, of libertarianism, and he was like, "All right, so I have this plan. We're gonna buy an oil rig out in the middle of the ocean in international waters, and we're gonna turn it into a community, uh, <laughs> and 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 we're gonna populate it, and and it's gonna be like our own libertarian nation. And I just wish so bad." That I could have been there to yell. That's the plot of Bioshock. <laughs> I would have given anything to be in that fucking audience. <laughs> my friend, my friend was there, and I would, I would like, he got dragged there because his friends are libertarians, and I would have, I would have, I would have, I, w- I want to like go back in time. Like fucking quantum leap style and inhabit his body. <laughs> it's so good. Cause I I haven't checked. I bet they actually got a fucking oil rig because libertarians just make money happen. And like, but only if there's extremely stupid shit. And I bet there's a fucking oil rig that has like never stopped being on fire. <laughs> Ugh. Sorry, I'm back. All right, Uh, I think we leave the libertarian bears thing in. Maybe, yeah, yeah. This episode, we're not getting anything from the Andy Griffith show (laughs) itself. We need the bears thing. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking, fucking this episode! I did not realize what a fucking like so fucking. It's it's
0: it's very fun. Would you like to do the honors? It is a Harvey Bullock episode.
1: Uh, really just kind of playing the hits, huh, really Bullock? Really phoning
0: it in, huh, Bullock?
1: Really? Really? You kind of paint by numbers this. Did you just, was your writing process taking a bunch of scissors to previous scripts, Bullock? It really stretched out those Control-C, Control-V keys, didn't you, Bullock? A lot of light rewrites going on, Bullock. I moved a couple of prepositions around and boom, got an episode. I am the knight. It's, the Riddler has face bandages now. I have to go and tackle him. That was the Riddler it looks yeah, right yeah. now. He has like a, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. he has like a yeah, mummy yeah. thing going on. Yeah. Um, I was going to get married yeah, I... and then I didn't. <laughs> Tom King wrote a whole story Pe-
0: about it. It went on way too long.
1: People keep blowing up my wives!
0: Where the, hell, where the hell were we with any of this? They all think it's a machine gun. Okay, so the next scene is Andy leading all four of them back in at gunpoint, and Gomer walking in holding five guns at this point
1: now? Because yeah. <laughs> he's taken all he's I got his can't... own gun and he's taken all of the other people's guns. Do you think there was a scene after this of Gomer talking for five seconds? And, uh, and the, the state police officers just being like, what the fuck did you people do? Where are we? Is he always a deputy? Like, all the time? Is that life in this town?
0: Yeah, like, it's just,
1: you know, Gomer doesn't
0: actually say a whole lot in this episode, to be honest. He doesn't talk. He doesn't have any memorable lines or anything.
1: That's kind of the thing is like, You'd think that an episode where Gomer is the deputy, he'd say stuff about being a deputy. Like, like, like cute folksy There's, stuff. There
0: is but the joke one, There is one bit where Barney and Gomer see the cops that they think are criminals. And Gomer says, someone should call the police. And Barney says, we are the police. And Gomer has to go, yeah. oh yeah, that's right, we are. That's a joke. That's that's, that's I mean, it. It, it's a joke. It's a good joke.
1: <clears throat> but literally the joke is pointing at Gomer and be like, "Ha! he's a cop. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> Look at the dipshit think he's a cop. It's basically what it is. Um like the joke is explicitly on Gomer, not not anything he does. Uh so it's 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 worse. <laughs> And
0: that's it. So, and then, then Andy completely covers for Barney. As he always does. He walks in and he goes, great work, Barn! Your plan worked! We didn't even have to fire a single shot. We just had to use those light bulbs. And Barney's like, what fucking light bulbs? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then he goes, no, I'll explain everything. I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell these detectives how this was all your big special plan. And I really want to see how that goes. Cause I would love to see Andy try to explain. S- what part of the plan required them to get arrested by this dipshit like yeah
1: like oh i would just love the um the the criminals to be like hey he didn't have a fucking plan he let us out of the jail twice like there
0: there are are two people two to four people there who could just be like that's bullshit
1: that was an absolute (laughs) fucking lie just blow up Andy's <laughs> spot. Although, the state police are not going to be, like, they're not really, like, one to throw stones in this. Because they did, again, have the <laughs> dumbest plan. A plan that is somehow worse than any Barney plan. Yeah, that, that's um, true. Just,
0: like, I mean, I, I guess, their I guess plan... all's well that ends well. The results speak for themselves.
1: Yeah. And that's a wrap on season three. Oh, no, not a wrap on season three. It ends with Barney teaching Gomer how to pull a gun. Gomer accidentally throwing his pistol into a bookshelf and breaking some glass. So just like kind of a, a fun twist on our least favorite bit on the show.
0: You know, so, like,
1: so Barney
0: is teaching Gomer how to pull a gun. And I noticed their placement of their holsters, right? Barney's holster is at its proper spot in its hip, but Gomer's is just barely dangling above his crotch. It's like, just yeah, like um, and I saw that and I was like, what if Gomer just punched himself in the nuts? What if Gomer went eat. to grab his gun and just smacked himself in the just gave himself a little a little cock I mean, slap right then and just doubled over? I, was like, I, I, eat, eat. I knew it wasn't going to happen, but part of me thought,
1: maybe, maybe just, just so it's eat. anything else, just so it's anything different. It is, it does have the specific benefit of like, hey, do you want to see Jim Neighbors frantically pat at his crotch? You, is that something you want to see is just Jim Neighbors be like, oh, because, well, you're welcome. Here you I go. Thought, I thought like, maybe he'd punch
0: himself in the dick and that would be, you know, at least something, something I, something I, I haven't seen before on this show. That would spark some like, joy. You know. Guess, wow. Just, I didn't get hate Get into some real fucking America's Funniest Home Video. I'm a simple
1: man right, yeah, I like to see a nice yeah. cross shot, yeah, like it's always enjoyable. I like to see genitalia come into physical contact in an unnecessary way you know,
0: It's 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 not it's it's a cheap laugh, but it's a laugh. It's better than Barney shoots the floor again, like
1: yeah wow i fucking hate this episode i when we started this i didn't hate okay so i should clarify watching this i didn't hate this episode that much it was fine i turned my brain off but then talking about it this episode was punishing it was worse because we can't it was like we had like 15 deja vus because like it's the fact that it's Ultra repetitive means, like, guess what? No new material on this. Oh, do you want to try and riff on this shit? Nope. Fuck you. Yeah, no new stuff for us either. Like. We talked about heat for like. (laughs) For like 10 minutes. An hour. Yeah, we did basically there's the trope of we don't want to talk about an episode so we talk about something else. We did that retroactively. We bailed out and talked about heat and also libertarians getting attacked by bears. Because like, there's nothing here. It's literally nothing. It's it's just it's basically it's, it's a clip all show. The it's same just things that we've done before. It's the most cynical episode of television I've ever seen because it is essentially, insert joke 16 here, insert joke 17 here, insert joke 18 here. It is all stuff that they've Someone done Someone who is like
0: a TV historian, please explain to me why these seasons needed to be 32 episodes
1: long. These don't need to be the, that long. The, the fucking, imagine what the writers room was like at this point where they were just like all laying on the ground and they were like, I don't know, what if we made Gomer a deputy again, and someone would be like, we just did that, and be like, well, I don't know, Ted! (laughs) Put him on a roof! Give him light bulbs! (laughs) Fuck you! You have anything better? Oh, what was your great idea? To have Barney accidentally fire his gun prematurely? Yeah! I just want to go home to see my family!
0: And that was it That on one of the most phoned-in episodes of television I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> I feel like we phoned in this episode, but not by our own will. We came in ready to put in work <laughs> and do original material based off of this episode <laughs> of television, and we couldn't. We tried. We gave <laughs> you our
0: all, we- listeners. I, we That's, a it, like, I <laughs> That's a lie. That's so, a lie. Go back and listen to the very beginning of this episode. It's me, like, angrily telling you I'm not going to try to do that much work. <laughs> we From moment one of this episode, I, I straight yeah. up set the tone saying, fuck you. We're doing the best of what we can.
1: So, congratulations to the listeners that heard that angry introduction and said, I'll just catch the next one. <laughs> You were the smart people who read the room effectively. <laughs> I came ready to leave it on the court. I was like, like alright, last episode of the season, baby. Let's earn this break we're gonna take. And <laughs> no. And now absolutely not. Marty, we have to just keep we have to just do next week. We haven't earned a break.
0: I wasn't I I was I was like uh I was, like, at the beginning of that 1997-98 season where Scottie Pippen was like, eh, I don't feel
1: like playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking fuck. All right, well, season three is over and can't hurt us anymore. The The sheriff just came in and shot season three dead, and now it's like, it's over. It's finally All over. All
0: this, and we didn't even really have a big send-off for Bob Sweeney. Um,
1: That's Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you sure were a guy with a funny name that directed some episodes of television. <laughs> <laughs> Gone, but not forgotten. I hope our next director has a an equally silly name. Uh, you know
0: what? Let me go ahead and tell uh, you, well, from from now on, it's gonna switch around. Dylan Farkleworth.
1: Yeah, I think we can do uh, something. Like that.
0: From from now on, it's gonna switch around. It's gonna be like a running back by committee kind of situation. Uh, uh, okay, between. A guy. Well, this is kind of a funny name, Dick Crenna. Okay. Earl Bellamy. All right. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Hayden. None of this is Mm -hmm. anything. Oh, Jeff. Kobe Ruskin.
1: Jeff. Yeah. These. these, uh, That's it. (laughs) Jeffrey Hayden, character that dies on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um. All right. So that's that. Uh. We done. Done.
0: We've been done, done for a while. So that's it for us. Uh, we are gonna do our typical finale episode. Um, <clears throat> as always. Uh, you can find us on the internet at facebook.com slash breaking Mayberry, Instagram, we're Breaking May- Mayberry. Twitter, we are Break Mayberry Online. I am at Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks.
1: I'm at the Luds duties. Uh,
0: you can get at us and get bonus material, which we have from this episode, uh, on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Breaking Mayberry. Oh, I do want to give a shout out to our newest patron, or really a uh, a patron who existed, uh, and then upgraded, Miradec. Miradec, thanks for uh upgrading and hanging out with us in the Discord. If you wanna hang out with us on Discord where we have conversations and talk about different Bob Sweeneys and suggest things for us to watch a torture uh and just do general hanging outs on Discord and Twitch and things, you can hang out with us. That's one of our Patreon tiers. So patreon.com slash breaking Mayberry uh really helps us out and uh helps us you know deal with some of the production costs of the show. Also, uh if you don't want to do that, you can always give us a like, subscribe, rating, review, etc. etc. on iTunes or or the podcast catcher of your choice. Uh that is about it for us. I think we're done. We've got a uh, an interesting finale coming up for y'all. Uh until then, we'll see you all down at the fishing. Bowl. <laughs>